Welcome on in to the Smash Mouth Football Podcast. I am your host, Chris McGuire, joined by my fellow co-hosts. We got Connor Green, Gavin Everingham, Patrick Smith. We're going through quarterbacks today, boys. Rookie quarterbacks, and that is off the... We had a few trades, too. Uh, San Francisco is probably going to draft a quarterback now with their show. We pull up the trade details. Uh, what do you guys... Were you guys shocked at all by the 49ers trade? Yeah, I mean... When you think about like what they gave up to move up to number three, it was like the someone put it in perspective. It was like if you're if you think that like giving up three first round picks or whatever for Deshaun Watson is crazy, like look at what the 49ers just gave up to get you know quarterback X at at number three, like rookie quarterback X at number three. Like there's they don't even know what quarterback they're gonna get at three. But like that's how much they gave up just to move up to that spot. So it's like when you think about like what Deshaun Watson would, you know, if he plays again, like what he would command on the open market is kind of incredible given like just this trade alone. So. Yeah, it's like, I got the, I got the details right here. So the 49ers moved all the way up to three. Uh, they traded their 12th overall pick, a 2022 third round compensatory pick. A compensatory pick, uh, and their first round picks in 2022 and 2023 to move all the way up to three, who we all expect to be a quarterback. And we won't say who we expect it to be because we're going to go for our quarterback rankings for all the rookie quarterbacks that are coming in. And then the Eagles traded back. They traded their pick. Uh, let me pull up the details real quick for that just to make sure I have it right. But they traded their sixth overall pick Back to the Dolphins, which I thought that was super weird why the Dolphins would trade back from 3 to 12 just to move back to 6. They they acquired the 12th overall pick from the Dolphins, uh, the one they just got from the 49ers, a fourth-round pick, the 2022 first-round pick from the Dolphins in exchange for the sixth pick. So... If you guys had to make sense of the Dolphins moving back up, why? I mean, it just they must have somebody in mind that they want that they don't think is going to be there at twelve. Yeah, well, look, the Bengals are drafting in front of them, and the Bengals' offensive line is garbage. Yeah, they did get Riley Reef, but I would imagine the Bengals are going to nab him up. Maybe they want to get one of those Alabama receivers for Tua. But I just I think it's stupid moving from twelve to six to not get a quarterback. Whoever you draft at twelve isn't going to be that much worse than whoever they're taking at six. They moved back and they got a bunch of draft capital from the 49ers, and they literally gave up a whole first round pick that they had just given them to move up to six to draft someone who's going to be a little bit better than who they'd get at twelve. I didn't like it. I thought they should have stayed at twelve. My theory is that the same way that you know we're looking at the Eagles or not the Eagles, the Niners saying I'm fine with any of the two quarterbacks either. I won't say who, but any of the two quarterbacks to potentially follow us at the third overall pick. I'm thinking the Dolphins are probably saying, I'm fine with any of either of the two offensive linemen that fall to me at six, whether it's Rashawn Slater or uh, Panay Sewell. I think there's a pretty big gap after those two. So I think that's how they're looking at it. But Yeah, it's... Oh, sorry, I, Gavin, you go. I, no, I just don't understand. Like, I get... The Niners trade was great for the Dolphins, but... I really don't. I don't understand. If you, the only time you should ever trade up really in the draft, especially like within the top, 
10 picks is for a quarterback. And so like P. Smitty was saying, I don't think that whoever they get at 12 or whoever they were going to get at 12 is going to be a whole lot worse than whoever they get at six. I don't draft. The draft is not the time to draft for need. I mean, you kind of like you want to factor it in. Like if you're, you know, if you need a, an alignment and you're, and, and like Panay Sewell's on the board, you should take him. Um, but I, I don't know. I just don't, I don't feel like giving up the capital they gave up to the Eagles to move up to number six is worth it for like as good as Panay Sewell is. I don't think it's, it's necessarily a good move when you could have gotten Rashawn Slater at 12 or. or I don't think you, Rashawn Slater is going to get to 12. Okay, but even, I, if you, I, even, if you even if you I don't, even if you don't, why get couldn't he? alignment? He could, like, I, I still, because there are so many teams. I mean, I think Rashawn Slater isn't that far off from Panesul. To be but honest, the thing is, is you don't draft up, you don't, you don't trade up from twelve to six to get. No, I, I agree. I, I, I definitely agree. I'm just trying to make sense of why they did it, and I think that's probably why they and, did it. And that might be the top linemen. It but, might be why yeah. they did it, but it doesn't mean like no, like, it's not a good move. If, if both of them are, if both of them are taken. And then like Jamar Chase falls to you. I'm not going to be upset about that. Like, yeah, no, I, I, it was definitely a, a perplexing move, especially after they made this, I think, really good move of getting all that draft capital to move down to 12 with the Niners kind of yeah. undercut that a little bit. So um, here's a question to you guys. Do you think would would it have been a better move for the Dolphins to do what they did and trade down to the with the Niners to 12? And let's say the Eagles trade never happened and they just did that. Or would it have been better for them to just stay at three and take a quarterback? Well, the thing is like, you all have to, you have to take this with context. Like the thing is for the Eagles, for example, I think this trade for the Eagles is a very good move with the context, knowing they weren't picking a quarterback. Yeah, so I know. Like, I'm just saying like to remove the, Obviously, is it a bad thing that the Dolphins decided to not take a quarterback and then move down? Like, obviously, if, if they weren't going to take a quarterback, duh, it's good that they moved to 12. But, like, if we were on year three of Tua and we didn't feel anything special about him, I'd say, yeah, that's a stupid move. But they're still showing faith in him. They still believe in him. It's only been not even a whole year. He didn't start every game. They still have faith in him. They're going to build around him. I think it was the right move. I, you think it was the right move to not just not draft, to a, not quarterback? draft a quarterback? Yeah, gotcha. to trade down, yeah, not do that. I, think, I agree with P. Schmidt. I think this is a really good the the Niners trade was a really good trade for the for the Dolphins. Uh, I mean, I think yeah, I think I think the Niners trade was a really good move for the Dolphins. Uh, I mean, they would know. I think this trade kind of gives me more confidence in Tua because obviously the Dolphins know just about everything that Tua's done, like in that locker room and meetings in practice to where maybe his play during the season wasn't really necessarily fair uh, to assess and like really put a fair assessment of him as a quarterback, an NFL quarterback. So yeah, I, I like the move. It's just, I don't, I really just don't understand the move back to six. It's just, you had all this draft capital from this trade and they still have leftover draft capital from the 49ers trade, but moving back to six, like, like I guess, kind of what to, to to what Connor said. I mean, I personally see a big difference between Penny Sewell and uh, Rashawn Slater. Really? But even if that, I think I think there's a huge difference. I mean, for one, Penny Sewell is only 20 years old. 
No, I, I, would, I would have Sewell over. I would definitely put Sewell over Slater, and I don't think there's any argument that you would put Slater over Sewell. But like, I think it goes Sewell, then Slater, then a decent gap, and then probably Christian Derisaw. I, I think it's Sewell, especially as a prospect, considering he's only 20 years old. And he actually has the size. Like Slater doesn't necessarily have the size of a tackle. Uh, like Sewell is like the perfect tackle prospect. He's younger than most tackles coming out of the draft. He's only 20 years old. And he didn't play last year, so we haven't seen him play since he was 19, and he was that dumb. Yeah. No, I mean, I love yeah. Penny Sewell, and I'm a big offensive line guy. So, But either way, I don't even think Penny Sewell is going to be there. Uh, I mean, if he is, I mean, this is a great move for the Dolphins, I guess, but well, I I wouldn't trade back up for Penny Sewell. Because you're rolling the dice, he's going to be there. Like, yeah. But the thing is, like, I think um, one, yeah, one of the two is going to be there, because we're assuming the first four picks – very well could be quarterbacks. Um, and then do there's the Bengals. The Falcons are drafting a quarterback? Do we I think, think they're trading. They're trading. I don't think it's a given. I think, I don't know. I, I think it's it's possible, though. The very the first four picks very well could be quarterbacks. And, and the Falcons are the wild card. The fifth is the Dolphins, or the Bengals, sorry. If they, It'd be a very big shock if they don't take Sewell, right? Like, they, that's a, it's a pretty big given, but I don't know. Um I mean, then maybe they could shock everyone and take Jamar Chase and get the Burrow Chase deal, um, but I feel like Sewell is kind of just the obvious, the obvious pick there. I mean, Kyle Pitts is also just like insane. I don't think that they would take Kyle Pitts at at five, but Kyle Pitts no. is also a generational talent. He's terrific. I think they could. Like, I think they could. I, I don't. I, I don't think they will. He's. In, like, I, I don't know. If, and again, you 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 said this in the chat. Don't fall in love with the pro day, but like Kyle Pitts. Just like he has the, all the tools to be one of the best tight ends in the NFL, like a Travis Kelsey esque tight end. Yeah, and that's that's the problem I have with a lot of people who say like don't draft a tight end in the first round or like that high. It's just like you see the difference that players like Travis Kelsey, George Kittle, even like Darren Waller have on a defense, and you're just kind of saying like, oh, most tight ends don't work in the first round, but this isn't this isn't any tight end. Like this is legitimately like. If you had to rank the players in this draft, not according to positional value, just players overall, Kyle Pitts is probably number one. Like he's probably the best prospect of any player in a draft. But anyway, back to back to the Dolphins moving back up to six. I mean, I guess I get it. It's just like okay, so I personally value Sewell, uh, Penny Sewell a lot higher than I do Slater, but either way, I don't. I, I don't. I wouldn't move a first round pick to move up to get Sewell. I, I'd be perfect. Maybe, but maybe they're trying well. to get. Maybe they're trying to get Pitts. I, th- I think there's a better chance because of his position, Pitts could fall to twelve. But maybe they're trying to like guarantee themselves a shot at Kyle Pitts. I mean, regardless, I still, you know, it's, just, it's. I don't think it's a great move either way because obviously you just kind of undercut the move you made with the Niners. But yeah, I'm just trying I mean, to like, I guess, think of why they would do it. I mean, I guess in a way, like, hypothetically, let's say, like, the Dolphins, like, so let's say the Dolphins just single, they just moved from three to six. That was it. We would like this move. We'd like, we would like that move a lot. Let's just, like, they still gained draft capital by yeah, doing Yeah, overall, it's so, still a good move for the Dolphins. It, like, yeah. Overall, so, it still grades out well for them. Yeah, so in the end, they still benefit, they still get shit from this, but, like, I don't know, like, I, you know, in a vacuum, it's fine, but like 
that's not all that happened, obviously. Yeah, exactly. Like they, they could have made out much better, but then made a bad decision to undercut the first really good move. So it's like, I mean, whatever. I mean, they still came out better out of these two moves like net than they would have if they did nothing. But it's still, I don't know. It, it is still perplexing. Well, Do you think Shefty... that... Oh, no, sorry. Go no, go ahead, good. Uh, Shefty just tweeted, NFL is expected to expand the regular season schedule this week to 17 games. The league had played a 16-game schedule, regular season schedule since 1978. I hate that. Why? Records yeah, are records like just either. don't matter anymore. Like, why even like Peyton Manning? What he had like four forty four hundred fifty four hundred passing yards. It's gonna get shattered, even just with an yeah, additional I, game. See, like I don't, I don't mind it too much. I mean, like it sucks. Also, I what you're doing too. to the players too. Like, give them more money if you're gonna. I mean, give them substantially more money if you're gonna be forcing them to play another regular season game. I mean, the players did agree to this. They did agree to it. Yeah, I know, but they don't get enough of the pie. They deserve more. I mean, they are the I draw. Agree. The under- I agree. Yeah, I mean, I think we would all agree on that. I, I don't – honestly, I feel like the NFLPA, I mean, like, I don't really know. Obviously, we're not in those meetings. But just based on everything, like, the NFL owners did a fucking – like, they, they destroyed the NFLPA in these latest negotiations. Because, like, literally the NFL owners, literally, like, they got this deal done, and then a year later they get – a hundred ten billion dollar TV deal, and the players like they're, the players are just like the players don't have a chance to negotiate based off of that deal. And also, like, conveniently, is, that deal came out like a week and a half after the salary cap for this year was decided to be incredibly yeah. low. Not sus at all. Yeah, <laughs> like the like the NFL owners are doing a fucking cakewalk around around these players in the NFLPA. And I feel really bad for them. I I feel like the NFLPA, like I, I I don't know if they're doing their best based on the information they have, but this sucks. This really sucks for them. Uh, but what were you saying, Peachman, before I interrupted with that Shefty? I was just bomb? I was just jumping on the other side and asking what you think for the Eagles and if if the Niners hadn't traded up, do you think the Eagles were potentially in on trying to get a quarterback still? But once the Niners traded up, they knew there's no chance that a quarterback's going to fall to us. We'll just trade back. What do you guys think? I actually I, I agree with Pishmini. The second the Niners trade up, you know you're going to either – I mean, I don't want to spoil it, but probably get Mac Jones or nothing. And he's probably not worth a six overall pick. I don't know. I feel like I feel like almost because of the fact that this trade, like both the trades for the Dolphins happened so quick, I almost feel like the Dolphins wouldn't have – I mean, I don't know this for a fact, obviously. Like, I feel like the Dolphins would have been at least more reserved and like not trading the third overall pick if they didn't know they could just trade it for the sixth pick. Because I don't think they made that trade that quick. I don't think they got the uh, 49ers trade, uh, trade done. And then immediately went to the Dolphin, uh, went to the Eagles, and were like, "Hey, so we just so happened to get the 12th overall pick, and we kind of launched up to six. I don't think that just was a coincidence. I think the Dolphins, credit to them, worked on the 49ers trade, and I don't know if it was behind the 49ers back. Not that it matters, because I think the 49ers are happy with what they got, but they facilitated two trades in one. It did happen rather quickly, back to back. Yeah, I, I I don't think yeah I think there's a chance that the Dolphins don't make that trade if they didn't know the Eagles trade was going to happen. 
Uh, but for the Eagles, I don't know. There was like the Mac Jones talk. Apparently, they only wanted Mac Jones, which is well. If that were the case, they should just stay there. Seriously, they want. I mean, they not, only Mac Jones, wanted sorry, Mac... not Mac Jones. Yeah, I meant Zach Trey Wilson. Lance? Zach Wilson. Oh, oh Zach Wilson. Okay, that was. I was and about I guess... to say, Jesus, Chris, this is breaking news. <laughs> no, 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 not Mac. No, 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 not Mac Jones. Not Mac Jones. Uh, but yeah, that was. I guess they just uh, if. I guess they don't value Trey Lance or Mac Jones like that, which one of those two you could probably feel good about not valuing that high. Uh, the other one, you know, might feel iffy, but, you know, no, they're going into a year with Jalen Hurts, and uh, we'll see. And, I mean, credit to the Eagles. They're going to have probably, as long as Wentz stays healthy, they're probably going to have three first-round picks next year. Yeah, that's huge. Especially if Jalen Hurts doesn't work out, like they have all the ammunition to move up if they need to, uh, and if they don't need to, then they just have three first-round picks, and they'll just be able to draft one of like Spencer Rattler or Sam Howell. But good for the Eagles as much as I fucking hate them. Uh, but moving on, let's get to let's talk some fucking quarterbacks. Let's talk some fucking. Qu- so you guys want to go from five to one? Go around the room. Yeah, that works. Right. Uh, Gavin, you spoke first, so you go. Okay. <laughs> All right. Um, at five. All right. Well, I need to do math real quick. <laughs> counting them out. <laughs> well, okay, for <laughs> listeners at home, Gavin is counting on his fingers, right? Now. <laughs> well, the fifth one. Yeah, I had to make sure that I wasn't just going to sound like a, a moron more than I already do. So. The fifth is is definitely Kyle Trask, right? I mean, like it's he's the day two guy that's probably going to go after the top, the main four. Are you sure you're counting right, Gavin? I think you're yeah, one up. I think you're right. one up. Or my, oh, is he six? What, who am I missing here? One. Okay, so like I don't want to reveal my list. I th- I'm but... I am betting that we have a, all have a very similar list. Yeah, I am betting that as well. Oh, oh, I, I missed, I see, I missed one guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I don't know why. I won't tell you who I left out. Uh, Mac Jones is five. Sorry. Um, yeah, like like you guys said, I think we have a very, very similar list. There, maybe there used to be some argument like back before the this last college football season. And then like, but throughout the this last season, it kind of set everyone into place. Unless you have some unless you're Chris Sims and have some wild bonkers takes on, on who your, your quarterbacks are. But, um, yeah, I got Colin Mond at one. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. uh, dude. So I think, um, yeah, Mac Jones is, is definitely the five. You can't really put him over anyone else. In, I mean, I, some, I, I guess some teams probably are, but Mac Jones, like was very efficient and was very good at what he did in that system. But the thing is, is like his tools are average. And whenever PFF did this thing where they charted, like what his passing grid and take this with a grain of salt, grain of salt, because it's hard to, let me just tell you the stat first. So when he, when he goes past his first read, he had a passing grade of like 72.7 or something like that. And that was like, last out of the top five he probably needed to go to his second read like five times last (laughs) i know so that's the thing is also like pff i'm kind of speculative of that stat because like you don't always know when they've gone to their second read like you don't know the like what the predetermined play was or the read was before the play starts i mean i get you can get a good idea of like when where his head moves but still i'm not sure that's a concrete stat but anyway and like like 
you said it's a, it's a small sample size because he had to move from his first read like three times all year because his first read was always just like had six yards of separation. So, but also on his pro day, he didn't have that good, great of a performance and take pro day with a grain of salt, but just come, you, t- you take all the evidence and you kind of consolidate it. And he, he's, is a really intriguing prospect because he played at Alabama and he had four first round player. Well, too really but um he had a lot of of amazing talent on that team and it's just it's just hard to tell what he's going to do at the next level but because of his limitations because of his limited tool set you can't put him over the rest of the top five in the draft yeah uh i mean peach mini con you want to you want to take next one um i i have him at five as well but my so my question is going to be to the general other people who would start head ranking had been ranking Mac Jones earlier higher Jesus um because there was like a two or three week period like a month ago where all of a sudden like Mac Jones hype just like hit the roof out of nowhere and I, I don't know why was and it then right Justin Fields the championship <laughs> Is that right back? well right. yeah but but that's when the same time Justin Fields had like everyone's like oh yeah Fields is meh we're dropping him on our rankings blah 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 and I don't see why what Mac Jones was doing that Justin Fields wasn't that they were essentially swapping them. I mean, thankfully that started to die down a good bit and the Mac Jones hype has been not necessarily killed, but yeah, he just doesn't have, like you said, the tools that everybody else has. He doesn't have those a couple, he's missing a couple of things. His legs aren't anything special. His deep ball is nothing special. I mean, he's got a good arm. He's got a strong arm, but he just, he's not, like you said, he's been in a great system. I, I think he could be a decent quarterback. I think he even could potentially be a starter somewhere halfway through the year. But I don't think his ceiling is nearly as high as any of the other four. And, and I think when you talk about his arm, it's like, I mean, he doesn't have like a noodle arm. But compared to the rest of the play, the rest of the quarterbacks in this draft class, I mean, like there are I'm not going to I won't say any names yet till we get to him. But like he is pretty low down in terms of the I, arm in this draft class. I'd probably say his arm would also be pretty weak for NFL standards. It's like average to slightly below average, but it's not like it's, it's not weak enough to where you're like, Oh, he can't make it in the NFL. No, it's Ooh. not like, it's not like 2020 Drew Brees season. It's not 2015. Jesus. <laughs> no, no Drew, no Drew Brees slander on this podcast. It's not slander. <laughs> it's just, no, that's just, he was yeah, old and he was battered he was like he was exactly. going through it that's we're not ripping him for it we're just stating that that's what his arm was last year that's why he identified the year what about Peyton, what about Peyton Manning in a, what was said, his last year 2015? I said 2015 Peyton Manning yeah I feel like Peyton Manning in 2015 was worse one of them won a Super Bowl and one of them oh he got carried by I agree I agree I agree but my, his point is, my point is, the narrative, the narrative will never be that Payne's no. arm was that bad compared no. to Drew Brees this year just because of the distance that they went in the playoffs. But if you watched Payne Manning play that year, like he was, that was horrible. Uh, he was also, everything he had in every single ball, and it was going like 15 yards. Also, Drew Brees was just this past year, so it's more recent. And I, that's why I brought it up. Recency yeah. bias, yeah, definitely. Yeah. All right. Yeah, but, uh, 
Connor, I'm I'm assuming I think all yeah, of us have the same. Five, I think we all have Mac Jones, and I don't have a lot to add for him because I think we're all going to end up covering him. But yeah, again, he doesn't have the same skill set as any of the people above him, and some of the people below him also have better tools and probably have higher ceilings than Mac Jones. But I will say that I mean he's like a prototypical pocket passer. He had an extraordinary statistical season last year for Alabama. A 77 completion percentage, 41 passing touchdowns. I mean, he was really good statistically, again, with a great team around him. And if you could somehow, like, import the entire Alabama team to the NFL <laughs> with their, like, maybe he could be, like, a really good quarterback. But, uh, I mean, I his, my NFL comparison for him, and this is kind of like a high, high-end high comparison for him, is Kirk Cousins. Okay. No, Kirk Cousins. Uh, I think he, high end, he's like a Kirk Cousins type of quarterback who, if you put really good weapons around him, you know, he is somebody who he does seem to have a feel for the game. He got the ball out pretty quickly. I mean, again, it's Alabama. Everyone's open. I don't know how much you can extrapolate that, but I guess the only question that I have to really add to the Mac Jones conversation, do you think Mac Jones is a better prospect coming out this year than Tua was last year? I think Mac Jones is as far down as he is because of Tua, maybe. I mean, I think we kind of had this discussion before. Like, obviously, Tua has the mobility, but I think we kind of talked about, like, maybe did Tua make it so everyone is now skeptical of Mac Jones the same way that Deshaun Watson may have gotten rid of the doubt that may have come along with Trevor Lawrence. Like, I don't know, like, because Deshaun Watson went at, like, 15 but if he would have come after Trevor Lawrence, like would he have gone first overall like Trevor Lawrence is going? So I don't know. It's it's a it's an interesting uh, discussion. But with Mac Jones, it's like people are now wary of or aware that Alabama and their offense is so easy to be productive in that like it's you like can have all the production. rookie mode. Yeah, exactly. You can have all the production you want, but if you're not making hard throws in a tight windows because you never have to, it's like whatever. Like, Hard to like, evaluate. Like, and we'd also discuss like if Tua was in this draft class, where would he go? Like in this top in this top five, like where would you put in between what two quarterbacks would you put him? Like, I feel like he would not go number five overall, like not even close. So uh so my thing with that was his injury. I wonder how big of an effect that would have had if you were throwing him in with these other five quarterbacks, because it was a huge concern with his hip and all. Well, and it wasn't enough to bounce him out of the top five i mean you know it's like he yeah still, but with think, these with all these other guys all of a sudden it would have been so here's this might sound like kind of a hot take so hypothetically like hypothetically speaking let's just say like i think the reason why mac jones really just gets a lot of hate this year is partially because like one obviously his tools aren't necessarily like great like there's not like much to really build on it's more of this like he has to continue doing what he's good at uh and then i guess get a little bit better i don't know i don't i don't really see much of a ceiling with mac jones but uh i mean the reason you see a lot of hate is because this quarterback class just seems so goddamn good as for if if uh, if Mac Jones was in the same draft class as Jared Goff and Carson Wentz, I think Mac Jones goes number one overall. And I, and, I, and that's just because, like, I mean, like, what did what did what did Jared Goff do to be number one overall? That like Mac. Jones I think they're very. I think they're very. I think they're they're very comparable prospects. 
I mean, yeah, but also like Mac Jones had all the production that Jared Goff did. Yes, yeah, college. Mac Jones also won a national championship. So yeah, I mean, so, I, maybe that, I, I could see that. I mean, that was a weaker draft class, so. But that's, that's the thing. Like Mac Jones, like I think Mac Jones, like he he's kind of unfairly getting a lot of hate. And don't get me wrong, I don't think he's going to be great or anything like that. But if I'm a quarterback and my first four of my rankings aren't there, I'm pretty happy I got Max Jones to at least see what he is. Because the risk of drafting any quarterback is worth the reward for the most The part. only thing I would say is most of the teams drafting these top quarterbacks are bad teams by, definite, by, by definition. And a lot of them don't have good offensive lines and they don't have great weapons. And if you put Mac Jones in a situation without good offensive linemen and without good weapons – I think he's going to he's going to he's going to sink. Do you think Mac yeah, Jones goes in the, the top out. ten this year? Yeah, I think he will. Yeah, I think he goes top ten. I think we're going to have five quarterbacks in the top ten. I think Broncos where might take a think, shot at him. Where would you think he goes? At nine. Assuming let's assume the first four picks are Panthers and they're uh, all the, to the our I'm first four so, that we've already. If Trey Lance goes off the board like the Falcons or, or whoever in the, Pan, the Panthers, see the thing is. I don't know how much of a premium the Falcons would put on the trade value for the Panthers to trade up to take their number four spot because we can't leapfrog anybody because the top three are definitely taking quarterbacks. So we the only the, the highest place we could go is the Falcons, and so the Falcons wouldn't trade with the Panthers though. Yeah. I don't think they would at all. Why would and they give you guys your franchise quarter potential exactly. franchise quarterback? So we'd have to like. And then if, if we want a quarter, if we want one of the top four, if we if we want a quarterback that isn't Mac Jones, we'd have to pray that the Falcons don't take a quarterback. And then like, you know, and the Dolphins probably won't. The Bengals probably won't. And then who's seven? The, the Lions? Lions might. I think you yeah. might actually have to trade up with either the Dolphins. Or the, yeah, like the, the Lions, like I, I picked, like whenever I, we did our little team thing, I had them getting Trey Lance, which I don't know if they will. They might ride with Jerry Goff, but there would be have to be a lot of luck the things that have to fall into place in order for the Panthers to get Trey Lance. And I, at this point I'd be very happy with it. Um, would you be happy with Mac Jones? No, I mean, I said, I said at one point I did say that I'd be fine with getting Mac Jones, but at number eight overall, is he more or less exciting than Teddy Bridgewater? I think, you know, the answer to that The thing is with yeah. Teddy Bridgewater, he's the like the least, one of the least exciting quarterbacks to watch outside of 2020 Alex Smith and like Kyle Allen. But the thing is, like, Mac Jones, while he's not an, a super exciting prospect, at least there's the unknown there. We're like, I'll be watching something I haven't watched before. Teddy Bridgewater, being our quarterback next year, is just going to be really depressing and bleak. And it's just going to be not fun to watch at all. So we've, we've always known what Teddy Bridgewater is. Exactly. Always. He's a facilitator and not a great one. So. Uh, so should we move on to our fours? I I think that I think we're all gonna have the same top four unless you have a really spicy hot take. I so yeah. I think Trey Lance is is the undisputed number four, and he's also an interesting prospect because he didn't play at all in 2020. And in 2019, like it's it's a it's a lot of projection. I mean, obviously he was he's good, um, but hasn't played in a year, and then he doesn't have like the I don't know he he's, he it's not viewed the same as the as the top three. Trey Lance is more of like a project piece where he's not going to start week one. He might take a while to develop, but he does have a ridiculous arm and he, he has the mobility. Like he's like a, 
like a slightly smaller version of Cam Newton, where he like will run you over and he can chuck it like seventy yards. Like he he has the tools. He's like the opposite of Mac Jones. Like he has all the tools of an NFL quarterback. It's just like and so therefore the ceiling is higher. But it's just do you think that you could develop him into an NFL quarterback? So um, I think he's definitely a risk you should be willing to take within the top ten, and I think you'll absolutely go within the top ten, if not the top five. So that's why I'd be extremely happy if the Panthers got him, but I'm not going to hold my breath. So, yeah, uh, Peach Mini. Shockingly, yes, I also have Trey Lance <laughs> there. Um, no, exactly like Gavin said. Everyone views him as like he's not going to come in and you can't throw him out on the team and say, "Hey, you're going to start at some point this year." No, you want to get him on a team that has good offense, good coach that can develop him. And hopefully next year he can sit by a good quarterback and eventually become a starter. Um, but, yeah, I think that that top three tier is a big drop, not a huge drop off, but especially from drop off in the sense that I could see those three starting and playing well versus Trey Lance. I could not see him starting next year. Connor. Yeah, I mean, not a lot of the suspense. I also have Trey Lance. I mean, I think he might be the most gifted of the all the quarterbacks in this draft. I mean, he has an, he might have the strongest arm in the draft. He's a really good athlete. I think he kind of reminds me of Josh Allen a little bit. And you know how much of a Josh Allen stan I am. He reminds me a lot of like I think his high end might be Josh Allen. I think his low end might be Carson Wentz. Um, I think he's just uh, really well, gifted. Okay, wait, wait, wait. Wait, 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 to be fair, let me. I'm just gonna inter- interrupt you right there. If his low end is Carson Wentz, that's a pretty good low end. I mean, Carson <laughs> Wentz had type. Yeah, year. I mean, yeah, his low I, end. Is I think like, Wentz is gonna be at least okay. His low end is like Terrell Pryor. <laughs> no, he's not Terrell Pryor. Well, his low end, like his, like I mean, he could very well be a bust. I mean, it's just it's not saying that like he's, he's probably going to be Terrell Pryor, but. I mean, uh, of the top like four quarterbacks, he probably has like the lowest uh, floor. Yeah, probably like the lowest floor in terms of at least passing. I mean, his floor is increased because he probably has the best rushing tools out of any of the four besides uh, uh, besides Justin Fields. So like that helps his floor a ton. But in terms of like being a passer, like he very well could be like such a bad passer that he. Well, Josh NFL. Allen was such a bad passer coming out of. I mean, him and Josh Allen are just from uh, this prospects. They're remarkably similar coming out. They both went to like very, very kind of no name schools, Montana, North Dakota State. They both had had accuracy issues coming out of college, but they both had amazing yeah. tools. They both yeah. have cannons for arms, and they're both really good athletes. And if you put them in the right system, and that's the question, because the Bills they did Josh Allen right. They went out and they got him Stefan Diggs. They went and they, and they made an offense around him. They crafted it around him. If a team does that for Trey Lance, he can be a Josh Allen type player. And, and that's why so, I think the Panthers would be a good place for him to go. So, just being a stand, but so Trey Lance is also my four. Kind of kind of getting boring here with the suspense, but it's I think it's just like he didn't have the production of any of the top three quarterbacks. Uh, he's, but he definitely is the most tool. He probably is the most toolsy quarterback of the top four. I mean, he has, he has the rushing ability where he can be potentially like a 800,000 yard rusher. Uh, and I think the, I think the Josh Allen comparison is a very good one, except I think he, he even has 
So Josh Allen, the thing about Josh Allen is he never had a single season above a 60 completion percentage from any level from high school through the NFL until year three in the NFL. He never had one single season above 60 completion percentage. I mean, Trey Lance in his sophomore year, uh, he had 28 passing touchdowns to zero interceptions. So uh, even though he does have, and he has 66.7 completion percentage. And obviously like, those are just those are stats that like if you look at it, they could be flawed, but the thing is like for a flawed, inaccurate passer, the fact that he still had a sixty six point seven completion percentage and zero interceptions, clearly he's not putting the ball in harm's way, even with the inaccuracy. And that's something to credit to Josh Allen for year one and year two in the NFL. Even though he was extremely inaccurate, he wasn't necessarily like putting the ball in harm's way necessarily with like a bunch of uh, passes that could be picked off. Uh, but you know, with uh, Trey Lance, he he has the monster arm. He probably has the strongest arm in the NFL draft. Uh, he doesn't put the ball in harm's way. He he is literally the tools of the quarterback that you want to take a shot on. And the only thing that he doesn't necessarily have is the top end production of the top four or the tape. He just doesn't have the tape. He just didn't play enough games. Yeah. I mean, he does, he does have tape out there that makes you go. Wow. But like, you know, like, you know, granted only one year. Best YouTube videos to watch. Trey Lance highlights. Yeah. Trey Lance is fun to watch. But he also was protected in a system that didn't necessarily put a lot on him. There's a run-heavy offense. Didn't really see him much of uh, much as a pocket passer. So he was. Yeah, I was gonna say, but he was a, a big part of that run game. So it's not like he yeah, was he was. Really no, no, he, no. He's yeah. got. He, if you're a team and you draft him, you should be very happy to have him. But uh, I'd probably sit him a year. That would be uh, ideal, I think, for him. But uh, moving on to our threes, Gavin, want to take it away with your third? Yeah, I feel like it, we should. I mean, we well, all knew. I think it would be more interesting to argue why we have two and three different because obviously we all knew one is in he's in his own tier. But yeah. why? Why yeah, do you have yeah. Zach Wilson let's over see. Justin Fields or yeah. vice versa? If somebody. So, so the thing is, like like I said earlier, if we were to do this before last season, I think the top three. Would contain the same players, but it two and three would be in different orders. And so now Zach Wilson would have been top three before this year. I that's what I, I would not. I, oh, I don't yeah. think it would have been. Well, so Justin Fields was the number two. Like it was like I even heard like at some point like after last after like twenty nineteen, it was like Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields were like one A and one B. That's how good Justin Fields was in twenty nineteen. Like he was ridiculously good he was still great in 2020 he just had some stinky games that like made you think like oh, that was kind of gross to watch like um was it against northwestern like in, in in the playoffs where he didn't play very well at all now obviously then he lit up clemson which was strange but it was like justin fields kind of just dropped off in rankings i mean he only dropped one spot but i mean still um so he he like he has the rushing ability. He might very well be the most accurate quarterback in this draft class, like in terms of just putting the ball in the receiver's hands, like on a rope. Um, he just there's still the the idea that he doesn't move off his first read enough. He kind of stares down his receiver. His decision making isn't as quick. He doesn't play the game at 
the NFL speed that you need to play the game at at the next level. So he might it might take some time for him to develop, but that's and then the just the emergence of the now number two prospect kicked him back to third. So it's not like he did such a horrible job that like he just got put behind Zach Wilson. It's just that Zach Wilson played so well and and Justin Fields didn't really take that next step to keep him at number two. So that that's really what it is. Um and then Justin Fields, you know, he didn't win the national championship, but he he got outplayed by Mac Jones, but also it's you know, quarterbacks don't play defense. So. He got out yeah, he got outplayed by Mac Jones with a broken rib. <laughs> So. Broken rib and also Ohio State's receivers are not. Well, they have Chris Olave. Yeah, but yeah, know. but you know, it's not, it's not, it's not. And, and I think Jalen Waddle oh, actually yeah. played in the championship game. But it's not even close. Jalen Waddle, yeah, was out there playing with a broken ankle. He but, was playing with, but he was still. He had some catches. <laughs> he had like two, but yeah. But uh, Peach Mini, who's your three? Yeah, I I go Fields as well. Um I I don't know for sure, but so what is like Zach Wilson's legs look like? They're, obviously, they're not close to Fields, but is how mobile would you say that he is? I don't know. His out of the pocket skills, like he's his scrambling, is is really incredible. He's not like a like a Trey Lance kind of rusher who is more like if you were to compare him to like Cam Newton, where he'll like run you over at the line of scrimmage, like at the at the goal line, like he'll run you over. Zach Wilson won't do that. He is more of a scrambler. He gets outside the pocket and then makes some like ridiculous throws out of structure. Like it's kind of like a, it's a, maybe a lazy comparison, but like what Pat Mahomes does. Yeah. So the way I'm look I, from what you described sounds like he would be a Patrick Mahomes type, but Patrick Mahomes can run pretty well as well. But and then he feels I can see being a better Lamar Jackson in the sense that he does have the legs, but his potential for the accuracy is higher than what Lamar has been in the last couple of years. Yeah. Much higher. Yeah. Much higher. Uh, Connor, what about you? So I, uh, not a very interesting start to this. Justin Fields is also my three. Um, I love Justin Fields. I mean, one of the reasons he struggled against Northwestern, I, I think Chris Olave, who was his number one receiver by far, didn't play in that game. And I feel like people put way too much stock into that game because, again, Northwestern had a really good defense last year. He didn't have his number one weapon. It was a tough situation. So I don't really I don't really take a lot away from that. I don't really want to, like, that's not why Fields is too. I think you said it best, Gavin. Wilson just rose. He just had, like, an atmosphere. He just had, like, a meteoric rise last year. It's not really that Fields did anything wrong. I mean, he was still, he's again, He's I, I think I agree with you. He's the most accurate quarterback in this class. He ran a four four one, which is insane. I mean, he is a great athlete. He's a really good arm. That I think he had like a sixty one yard touchdown against Clemson. He and and then obviously he played. He showed his toughness when he played through that broken rib. I mean, he is just like the. He I mean he has amazing tools as well. He might be in the argument for best tools with Trey Lance. Uh, although I think I would also give Trey Lance the nod there. He has been one of the best rated quarterbacks since high school, like Trevor Lawrence. They were one A and one B for forever. He's been, he's been an elite quarterback prospect for like six, seven years. And honestly, I, I, I really wanted to put him too. And then I, I know you don't, you shouldn't put too much stock into to pro day, but Wilson just absolutely killed this pro day. And he made some incredible throws, um, which we talked about in the group chat. And I'm sure we might talk about here. Um, but I, I think 
Fields' NFL comparison, I see a lot of like Deshaun Watson, Dak Prescott, obviously Deshaun Watson on the field. Um, and, and he's very like Prescott-esque. I mean, they're both very accurate. They're really good at taking care of the ball. They're good athletes, but they don't – it's not like his primary thing is running the football. He is a passer. Like, he's an incredible passer. He's good at throwing on the run. The questions about him getting to a second read, I, I mean, I didn't like watch all his tape. I think that's probably overblown. I would imagine, as Gavin said, it's really hard to tell when a quarterback gets to a second read. Um, and also, after Alave, his weapons dropped off considerably. It was like you have Alave, who's if he went in the draft this year, which he went back to Ohio State, he would have been a first round esque like potential prospect. And then everyone else who he was throwing to probably is like third rounder or later, unless someone pops next year. So. I mean, I, I think that is probably overrated, that kind of concern. I am a little concerned. He does seem to have a little bit of struggle against the Blitz, and he hasn't really had to pay for it because he's an amazing athlete, and he's been able to get out of those situations. But NFL, you know, NFL is a different level. It's going to be harder for him to, to avoid some of the consequences of not having a quick processor in the NFL, and I'm a little bit worried about that, but it's not like that is a concern for me over like some of the concerns these other quarterbacks have. I mean, they all have their concerns. So I think it's very close. It's, it's like the, the right next to each other, neck and neck between him and Wilson. And I would have him too. Three. Yeah. So I'm going against the green. I, I don't, I, I love Wilson. I really do. I really, really like Zach Wilson. Uh, but He's my three here, and I understand. I I actually don't really understand the the fields over him at this point. Uh, I I just think that, and I was a victim of this as well. Uh, I fell in love with Zach Wilson a while ago, and I brought up Zach Wilson probably being the second quarterback off the board, and he probably will be. But I think we kind of put too much emphasis on the fact that Zach Wilson came out of nowhere and he makes all these plays with the crazy arm angles. So I'm going to just talk about Zach Wilson real quick, and I'll say why Will, uh, why Fields is my two. Zach Wilson, as a prospect, he has the most arm talent in this draft. Not necessarily the most arm strength, even though his arm strength is fucking crazy. It just happens that Trey Lance is also in this class, and Trey Lance's arm is just Felipe Franks. Strong. Felipe, what? <laughs> shut the fuck up. Uh, uh, Man's got a cannon. But... but Zach Wilson is, in terms of like, just arm talent, different angles he can hit, he can hit throws on, uh, which is an extreme quality to have in the NFL when you have pass rushers coming at you extremely quickly. You see Mahomes, you see Aaron Rodgers with their arm angles. It just gives you another option to where pressure coming at you doesn't necessarily matter as much because you can throw from so many different angles. Uh, he, his arm strength allows him to hit a, a bunch of, uh, tight window throws, but also I think we're kind of just like, we're not realizing that the conference that Zach Wilson played in, uh, the, I mean, the competition he, or the lack of competition he played at BYU and the fact that his offensive line absolutely dominated every single team that they played. So Zach Wilson had essentially like he 
He just clean pocket. Stood in the pocket. Okay. It was. Using I will say, can I, can I push back a little bit on this? Can I push back a little bit on that narrative? He was also not throwing to the guys that anybody else on this list is throwing to. Like he didn't have a you know a Chris Olave. He didn't have a you know just first round draft potential wide receivers and targets. Okay, but when you to. have all so the time it, in the world to throw, somebody can get open. I mean, Trevor Lawrence had a clean pocket most of the time too. And obviously, I mean, Mac Jones did as well. He, he, I mean, but he also played much tougher competition, and he went to the national championship three years in a row. I, I mean, I, I obviously, I'm not, I, I'm not arguing between Lawrence and Wilson. But and also, Fields had a really bad offensive line this past year, especially with Wyatt Davis missing a ton of time. So, like the thing about Wilson and Fields, just like Wilson holds onto the ball a long time, so does Fields. Uh, but Wilson has one season of elite playing and Fields has two. Like Fields has a bigger track record while also playing behind an offensive line that wasn't necessarily all that great. It wasn't like some shit offensive line, but Fields made a lot of it work. Fields is the much better athlete. If he goes into the NFL and he starts rushing for a thousand yards, I wouldn't be shocked. And with that, he is also, he's, Fields, the problem with his is, arguably is processing speed but you take away processing speed which i hope he gets better at and if you're an nfl head coach that's something you got to work with him but he is the most accurate quarterback in his draft class in terms of passing in terms of accuracy he is number one and you don't see that from mobile quarterbacks so so justin fields the competition he played in college to the athleticism, the accuracy that he has. There's really not many weaknesses to his game. And for Zach Wilson, not saying that there's like a whole ton of weaknesses for him, but we're kind of just falling in love with one year where his team just dominated a bunch of inferior competition while Zach Wilson, not Zach Wilson, Justin Fields kind of brought his team up against harder competition, unlike other Ohio State quarterbacks have done. You definitely shouldn't not take Fields over. It, it, the, the helmet scouting is the worst. Like when people say, oh, well, JT Barrett and Dwayne Haskins, like you shouldn't ding him for that. You shouldn't ding a quarterback for where they played. I mean, Alabama is a little bit different of a situation because they just are so much better than everyone else in terms of personnel that it just it is substantially easier. But Fields was playing on the worst team when he was going against Alabama. And he, I mean, it's not like Ohio State, honestly, especially with Walt Davis missing a lot of time last year. Loaded with NFL talent. I mean, Northwestern is amazing. Northwestern's defense genuinely could have been a mismatch in favor of Northwestern against Ohio State, especially without Chris Olave playing. It's not like he was playing with. And I, I, I kind of wanted to put Fields too. That play just got me. I mean, he's just Wilson. Just he does like if you watch Wilson, some some of the throws he makes, it's just really Mahomes Rogers esque, and that's just like really exciting. Um, but yeah, I mean, Fields is a tremendous prospect in almost any other draft class fields would be the number one quarterback, right? I mean, like if we go back 10 years, there's maybe two other drafts where he's not. Yeah, I just, I don't, I don't know. I don't, I, I feel like Fields has gotten a lot of hate and I, I don't, I honestly so, don't get it. Chris, and, I, and I, yeah, if you're the Jets, then are you taking Fields? I mean, if you're guaranteed yes. taking quarterback, you're taking Fields over Wilson. No question. Yes. This is a change of heart. Cause you were the first one on the Wilson train. Yeah, I've, I've thought about it a ton every, like, since I've started like watching tape and just been like 
evaluating them, I think that I think Wilson's the more exciting player in terms of like the throws that he can make. But I just think that we're kind of just underrating fields at this point. I get it because Wilson like Wilson showed the ability to improve from one year to the next. But I mean, it's not like Trevor Lawrence really improved much from year one to year three. Trevor Lawrence was always essentially the same player. He'll just have to make that leap when he makes goes to the NFL. And I feel the same way about Justin Fields. Justin Fields was just such a good prospect as is. There wasn't really much to get better at in college. He'll just have to make that jump in the NFL. So the thing, my thing with Zach Wilson is, yeah, he played at BYU. He didn't play against a lot of great competition. His O-line was incredible. Um, the thing, though, is that even when but when he was put in the situations where he needed to throw in at tight windows, he had like a, over a 90 passing grade, if we're going by PFF. It was like 92 point something. And that was the highest out of the last since they've been grading college. And the second highest was Joe Burrow at an 88. And he was second. So, yes, while he didn't have to do it as much. And I think Joe Burrow and, and Zach Wilson kind of have a similar kind of story. Now, they're not the same kind of player, but Joe Burrow also or had. the same competition. Not, not the same competition. I'm saying like, you know, yeah, Joe Burrow had a very mediocre like first season in 2019 or sorry, 2018. And then 2019 was obviously incredible. I mean, he won the national championship. He's one of the best throwers of the football we've like ever seen. He put, he, his ball placement was bar none the best. Um, but he was still taking number one overall. Cause it was like that, that one like season was ridiculous. Now, Zach Wilson, like he didn't play for LSU. He didn't play this competition that Joe Burrow did play. But Zach Wilson, like he, when he was put in the situation to to make those tight window throws, he has tape of making tight window throws. And when he had to do it, he was really good at it. So yeah, I mean, there's a bit of projection there. Like Zach Wilson's really exciting to watch, and you just hope that he kind of does the same kind of thing in the NFL. And maybe like again, it's it's kind of an interesting conversation to have. Like, how much do previous quarterbacks affect? the current perception of quarterbacks coming in the draft. Like if Mahomes didn't pan out the way he did, would Zach Wilson have shot so high up the way he did? Like, would he still be viewed the same way that he is now? Because I think a lot of people are like, Oh, I want to take a quarterback that can make these kind of ridiculous throws at these crazy angles out of structure because we kind of ding Pat Mahomes for doing that and not playing in structure when he first came out. And so he went, you know, within the top 10, but he didn't go number one overall where he should have gone in hindsight. So maybe it's like, well, I don't want to miss out on that. I want to be on that train. And now, so I want to draft Zach Wilson before anyone else. So I still do think that Zach Wilson should go over Justin Fields. Um, Cause I think, I think Zach Wilson probably has a higher ceiling than both Justin Fields and Trevor Lawrence. I don't think his floor is quite at the same spot as like Trevor Lawrence, but I think what we've seen him put on tape is just, it's too good. I mean, I get it was only one season, but still, I mean, it, he was nothing short of incredible. So that's why he's my number, my number two. It's an interesting point though, that like with Mahomes and how amazing he's been and the narrative of like a Mahomes like player all of a sudden shoots up. Like if Watson, let's say last year the Texas were shit and he had a good year and potentially went to the championship game or the Super Bowl, 
all of a sudden maybe Justin Fields is looked at as the the clear number two over Zach Wilson just because they have a similar play style and can run out of the pocket and has the legs and et cetera. I think I think what uh I think what we're starting to see is that in the NFL it's never been in terms of system, not necessarily in terms of like difficulty, because obviously defenses are extremely hard to play against. But in terms of running a system, NFL coordinators have never made it as easy as it is today to play in an offensive system. So when you're evaluating quarterbacks, tools have never mattered more. So like when you're drafting a guy like a Josh Allen, a Trey Lance, where they have all the tools in the world, but you're worried about them going to a pro offense, it's really on the NFL uh, coordinators and head coaches to really work around their system to make sure that they can get their tools to work in their system and playing outside of structure is now more of a need than it is than it has ever been because before the most most NFL head, co- head coaches wanted you to be able to you know know how to run an NFL system, a pro-style system. Now that's not necessarily as important as it was once was because the NFL systems have never been easier. It's never been easier to move the ball because NFL coordinators are making it easier and easier every year by scheming up open throws. So uh, when it comes to playing out of structure, like most quarterbacks can't, or at least the elite ones can, that is something that you it's kind of becoming a prerequisite to be a top five pick nowadays. So it's in, it's definitely interesting. Uh, as for our one, it's just Trevor Lawrence. We don't really have to dive into that too much, do we? Can I just say my NFL comp for Trevor Lawrence? Who? Peyton Manning. That's, he's a more yeah, athletic that's, that's, Peyton Manning. There's no comp, there really is no comp for him. He's just such a unique prospect. And you look. Yeah, Andrew Luck. Yeah, I was gonna say. Really, I mean, or, or like John Elway, right? That's a better. I mean, why, why would it? I mean, he's probably a stronger, stronger armed uh, Andrew Luck. Yeah, I mean, like he, like because Andrew Luck and Trevor Lawrence, the number one thing, the number one thing about them is the fact that they both can process very quickly. They can process extremely quickly. Uh, I mean, Trevor Lawrence. Might you might feel better about him not turning the ball over year one like Andrew Luck did, but granted, Trevor Lawrence probably won't be going in the situation that Andrew Luck was in, uh, with the worst offensive line in football. Uh, you would hope each that, other, yeah. yeah, or that Andrew Joe Luck's Burrow career. would too. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But I mean, in terms of athleticism, Andrew Luck had that sneaky, uh, sneaky accurate quarterback uh, that can run and move. Uh, and Trevor Lawrence is kind of the same way, where he has that sneaky speed, sneaky mobility, <laughs> and both of them can. Uh, what? It's just anytime someone says he's sneaky fast, it's like he's white. That's that's it's yeah. like. <laughs> well, to be fair, I don't. I don't even. I don't even know if that's necessarily the case because, like, Taysom Hill isn't sneaky fast. Taysom Hill is just fast. Like Trevor Lawrence, the reason I think he's sneaky fast is because he's such a good pocket quarterback. That when he runs, it's just also like, most people who are six foot six aren't fast. I I know it's yeah. just it's just like whenever you like yeah. talk about like a a receiver like who's like a slot receiver who's white like Wes Welker, it's like oh he's sneaky fast, he's toolsy, he's gritty, he's like you know <laughs> it's just I don't yeah, know. Yeah, you it's don't. Funny. 
Yeah, you don't really hear gritty being talked about Jamison Crowder, but you probably should. <laughs> yeah, you probably should hear gritty about Jason Jamison Crowder. He's a pretty fucking gritty player. But yeah. uh, I mean, do you, uh, before we get out of here, do you guys have any like? Do you guys have any like stuff to talk about when it comes to Trevor Lawrence? Do you have anything to say? Like how how confident are you in, in Trevor Lawrence? I should say. Well, I think so. I think that's that's the key part. Is like. Um, that's why he's going number one overall because I don't think his ceiling is as high as Zach Wilson. But I think when you draft, when you're, when you're that high up in the draft, you're drafting for certainty. That's why, like, I think Panay Sewell is like, and it goes and it kind of, it kind of cancels, not cancels out, but it kind of goes against positional value too. Like if you think that a certain player, right. It plays at a certain position like quarterback, like a Trey Lance, his projection, you're kind of bait. You're drafting him based on projection, what you think his ceiling could be. But if you want the certainty of like a player like Panay Sewell or like last year was like Chase Young, where you draft him number two overall, you're drafting him that high because you're pretty certain he's going to be good. Like Chase Young, there was really no like question. I mean, obviously there's a small chance, but it was like, or Quentin Nelson for the Colts. Like you draft him because going into the draft, he's about as rock solid of a, of a, of a prospect that you can get coming out of college. Like you are pretty, you have a pretty good idea that he's going to be a perennial pro bowler. Like no one was like, oh, Chase Young probably won't be that good. Like no one was really saying that. Um, so it's like with, with Trevor Lawrence, he's going to go over everyone else. One, because he was incredible, but two, like you, his floor is just so so high that like he can play in an NFL system. He plays in the structure. His pocket presence is incredible. He can attack. He can attack every single part of the field. Like he can make every NFL throw and we've seen him make NFL throws. That's the thing. It's like, he's not making these wide open. Some of them are, but he can make the tight window, you know, sideline throws that you need to make in the NFL. And we've seen him, we've seen him do it repeatedly. So it's like at least at a baseline level and plus his rushing ability, like he's, you know, he's sneaky fast. He, he, he has this floor that just, it gives you such security if you're the Jaguars. And I think the Jaguars need that. And I think they're going to take it at, and that, and that's why like you're going to pay a premium for that certainty at number one overall. So that that's why I, like, and obviously he's great. He won the national championship. He went there three years in a row. Like he, he's great, but it's, oh, just, he did this past year. Yeah, I know. I know he didn't this last year, but like he went to the playoff for years in a row. Yeah, yeah, and then almost made it to the national championship yeah. for years in a row. But yeah, he didn't quite. Justin Fields outplayed him, which you know, yeah. whatever. But still, yeah, no, I no, I agree. I think I, I don't like if I had to rank like if I had to put like quarterbacks like in terms of like just tiers, just like or in terms of just uh, qualities. Like if I had to like. Most arm talent, Zach Wilson. Strongest arm, Trey Lance. Uh, most accurate quarterback, uh, Justin Fields. Like all these qualifications, like they're not necessarily Trevor Lawrence. But the thing is, Trevor Lawrence is so goddamn good at just about every single thing. Everything that you can ask of him, like does he have a strong arm, an extremely strong arm? Is he accurate? He's a damn accurate quarterback. Is can he process? He's probably. I mean, there you go. That's probably the number one thing he's at. He's probably the number one processor of any of these top quarterbacks. He's ready to run into his pocket presence. Uh, He's 
the best. I mean, he's at the top of the list at just about every single thing, and he's rightfully the number one quarterback prospect and probably the number one quarterback prospect we've seen since Andrew Luck. Yeah, or like, whatever that. Yeah, right, or Andrew Luck, John Elway, whoever you want to you know compare him to. Like, and I think that's kind of like the way it is for some prospects, where it's like no, the number one overall guy is going to be like if, if you were to take those five categories, where it's like arm strength, accuracy, um, pocket presence, arm talent, and like mobility. It's like if you're a guy that you're going to draft number one overall is like one, one, two, two, three, two. That's going to be the number one overall guy, even though like there's some guys where it's like they're they have more number ones or like or even if you're two across the board, like your second best at all those things across the board. It's better than having a guy who's yeah. like one, three, five, four, three, like, you know, yeah. even if you're not the best at any one spot. You still. That baseline of like you're the second best at everything. Yeah, that's that's the that's the floor thing we're talking about. Like, that's what yeah. you're paying for number one overall like tom brady for example i mean like if we're just going like not his dra- draft process process obviously because he was a six-round pick but if you're going through the history of the nfl tom brady might not be the best thing at anything but except for mo- mobility like mobility he's clearly at the bottom <laughs> of the list when it comes to quarterback i thought you were gonna say but when it comes to when it comes to literally everything else well, he gets the ball out among- quicker than anyone else right but that's what i'm that's what i'm saying like he gets yeah, the ball out essentially he's at the top of the list of getting the ball out quick, but he does so while also being able to attack deeper parts of the field as he's able to show with the ball. Are you worried about Trevor Lawrence's frame at all? Because he's like six foot six, two fifteen ish. That's no, pretty no, skinny. I don't, I, no, I don't yeah, know. But Lamar Jackson's like. Yeah, but I, I, I mean, but if you get hit and you're that small by like NFL t- defensive players, that can be bad. It, Connor, it seems like you put a lot of stock into like size and weight of. Hey, NFL. you know, he's gonna. I, I actually don't put that much stock into weight. It's just a question I've seen floated around the interwebs, and I felt like I should ask. Are you concerned I, about Devontae Smith or Rondell Moore because of no, their size? I'm a little concerned about Rondell Moore. I'm not concerned about Devontae Smith. I mean, Rondell Moore's five foot Devontae seven. Devontae Smith is like, is like fucking he's six foot 130. He's like a string bean. Like the thing but is, he's like, so, he's so, he has such a large catch. I'm a little concerned with, in press coverage. I think Jamar Chase and Jalen Waddle are better prospects than Devonta Smith in part because I'm worried about Devonta Smith in press coverage. And that is related to his size. But Devonta Smith has a, a very large catch radius in part because he has really long arms. And he's also just – he has great hands. I mean, I, I love Devonta Smith. I think he's a great prospect. I'm so, not no, as worried I, about it for, with him I as worried. I would be for Rondell Moore. I think way that receiver does matter, especially when it comes to like you – know, Yeah, but like, – so maybe this year he's not amazing, but – over the offseason next year, I'm sure he'll put on 15 pounds He's going to get yoked, bro. So. If he gets Dude, it's, yoked, it's gonna be the classic, if he gets like, yoked, then he can be one. Where, like, there's going to be one picture of Devontae Smith where he's, like, fucking yoked. Like, like you know, or Christian McCaffrey every single offseason, his first three years, it was like, he has huge biceps. Or, like, Daniel Jones, look at his giant quads. And it's like, <laughs> there's going to be one picture of Devontae Smith well, next, or this offseason even, where it's like, dude, look how huge Devontae Smith is. And then that it's just, it's going to be corny, but it's going to happen. I mean, he, Here's the issue, though, when it comes to, like... So, Devontae Smith, like, he was at Alabama. Like, Alabama prospects, when they come out, they're they're already yoked. Like, they're not, like... And he was there four years. It wasn't like he was only there three, or he transferred from, like, a junior college, and he was, like, a sophomore red shirt, and he uh, 
and he left. No, he's been, he was there all four <laughs> years. You tell me, Mac Jones is yoked. Have you seen a picture of him? <laughs> I'm not talking about Mac Jones. Mac so, Jones, we're not even fighting. I'm talking. I'm talking about just. Are you saying then you don't think he can put on the weight? Is that we what don't. You're yeah, in NFL no, weight room, I feel like you can't. But but I, I like how we're using the term yoke. I like how I got that started. <laughs> no, uh, no, but definitely better the... better terms to describe. You think you think he would have put on the weight already had he had that in his? Because Alabama has like NFL level weight rooms. Like you can get yoked and also, for lack of a better term. And conditioning him. coaches, like yes, he has yes, coaches yes. who could have helped him with that. And it's not that I don't think he tried. I think he did try. I think he's just one of those people who no matter how much they try, they can't put on weight and they can't put on that much muscle. And I think that's why he kind of played extremely well is because he's he knows his body. He has insane body control. So would I draft him high? I would draft him extremely high. I, he might be my number one wide receiver. Check, up, uh, check us our next episode and we talk more about this. But when it comes to like the weight and like him being an outlier, like the issue with uh, like some size, like quarterback height, for example, I don't take much in quarterback hype because there's not really that many like bad examples of short quarterbacks. Like they're just, like Johnny football. History. Okay, there's yeah, you just named one. Like there's like there's not many examples. Like you're like there's been like maybe 15, 20 quarterbacks at most who have been like short. And like you're, and among them are Russell Wilson who's a Hall of Famer, Drew Brees who's a Hall of Famer, Kyler Murray who's been damn good himself. Uh Doug Flutie Doug, Doug, Flutie. Flutie. Doug Flutie was pretty good. He just didn't really get a ch- chance to really play all that much. He fucking wrecked the Canadian Football League. Like he threw for like yeah. six thousand yards a season. <laughs> and Garrett Gilbert so, was an AAF legend. Let me just put so that it's out like, there. So it's like we don't really have much evidence to say that like short quarterbacks are bad. In fact, we probably have a pretty good sample size of the quarterbacks to say, all right, height probably doesn't really matter that much. We've had so many small receivers go into the NFL, particularly weight. Like, Marquise Brown went in, and, like, Marquise Brown is a big fucking dude in terms of, like, muscle mass. And so far, he just he's more of just a deep threat that really is just, like, the only quarterback at Devontae Smith's weight to actually go for 1,000 yards in the past, like, 10, 15 years is Deshaun Jackson. And yeah, and the thing is, Devontae like, Smith doesn't have the speed of Deshaun Jackson. Did you see that tweet where Chad Ochocinco said that he played at 170? Now, like, he was never clocked in. Like, obviously, his if you look up, look him up on NFL or, like, his combine, he was, like, at 192. But he's, he tweeted that he played at 170. And so, like... I just think it's dangerous to really just assume he's going to be his Alabama self when, like, the, the huge majority of wide receivers who have played at that weight were never really anything great. And Yeah, I agree. I mean, are, I would take Jamar like, Chase over him. Yeah. yeah, yeah. There's Marvin Harrison who was pretty small, but like yeah, I would Jamar Chase. Well, we'll we'll save that for the next episode. But yeah. Yeah. I mean, we'll save our rankings for next episode. But like, I I think weight for wide receivers in a way does matter. But if I did, if the Giants drafted Devontae Smith, I'm I'll, I'll be fucking I'll be fucking excited. I'll be ecstatic. But I do I do have that worry, a little bit, not too much, but just a little bit. Don't you think a good offensive co- – I mean, and you have Jason Garrett, so obviously this isn't apply to the Giants. But a good offensive coordinator can scheme ways to help receivers avoid press coverage for the most part. Like with I mean, Greg Roman does an extremely good job of doing that in Baltimore, and Marquise Brown has been nothing but yeah, disappointing. No. I, and, and how – is that all Marquise Brown? 
But Marquise Brown also wasn't the Heisman winner. I mean, he wasn't. No, he, he wasn't. He's not. He never produced to the level that Devontae Smith did last year. No, but also Devontae Smith also was benefiting from a extremely good offensive system. I mean, not that Marquise Brown didn't, because obviously he played at Oklahoma. But the offensive system for Alabama put him in extremely good spots where he didn't have to go against press a lot. He played a lot of his snaps were in the slot. A lot of his routes were on RPOs where the defense is preparing for a run play and then he's, you know, he's running a quick slant or something like that. Like he was, even though Devontae Smith was excellent, he was an elite wide receiver as best as they come out of college. In the same vein, he was protected in Alabama. So it's like, I, I, all I'm saying is, is, and we'll talk about this more on our next show too. Yeah, 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 yeah. We'll talk about this more, but the little sneak peek, Devontae Smith should be in your top three for receivers. But with that said, in the same vein, you shouldn't just ignore the outliers that, I mean, you shouldn't ignore the fact that if he does have success in the NFL, he's going to be an outlier. Unless he can put on, I mean, and you think, because the NFL weight room is still different, even than an Alabama college weight room, even with those coaches, you can still, there are still people who go into the pros who are a little undersized, who get, for again, for lack of a better term, yoked in an NFL weight room. The thing is, like, even if you look at the outliers, like the people who you think are really skinny, like Robbie Anderson, dude, that guy looks like he's going to get broken in half every single play. He looks like a string bean, but he's like 200 pounds. Like yeah. you take you take Devonte Smith, who's thirty pounds lighter than him, and like like who are the skinniest in the, in the NFL right now? Like Robbie Anderson, Hollywood Brown, Deshaun Jackson. Yeah. That's like it, and they're all heavier than Devonte Smith. So it would definitely be an absolute outlier. It would be an outlier for the outliers. Yeah, yeah, and you know, and the, the the thing that does I, what makes me feel good about it is the fact that he's six one and he does have the long arms. Like he's. He is like a like obviously like probably like ten inch smaller, but like he is like if he goes in and he has success, he is the Kevin Durant of wide receivers. Like he's a guy who is extremely skinny, but he's extremely lanky, and people thought the size was gonna potentially be an issue. Like in the NBA, some people thought that Kevin Durant's size was too skinny, and that's why he went number two behind fucking Greg Oden. Good job, Trailblazers. Uh, but, uh, and then Kevin Durant just, he became that outlier. He's this scrawny, lanky dude that just fucking dominates and plays stronger than everybody. And that's why Devontae Smith should be highly regarded because. So just to clarify, Chris, is Kevin Durant your number one quarterback? No, but he, no, he, no, 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 fuck you. Fuck you for saying that. That wasn't needed. No, (laughs) that wasn't needed. Uh. But Devontae Smith plays extremely strong, so that's what gives me hope. Uh, but anyway, we will talk more about wide receivers on the next episode. We'll probably talk about wide receivers and like tight ends, just pass catchers in general, pass catchers. Yeah, yeah. Uh, maybe we talk about running backs a little bit too. We'll see. We'll see. Yeah. We'll, talk, we'll talk about the chat. Uh, but uh, essentially, it'll, our running back will t- talk will come down to: Do you draft one in the first round? Yes or no? No, 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 no. no. <laughs> Peace, Mitty's trying to speak. Steelers are about to make that. <laughs> I know. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But anyway, uh, it was a good episode. Follow us on Twitter at SmashMouthFBPod. Uh, let us know your rankings uh, and like and review. Thanks for listening, guys.